Hey, can I give you guys some advice? This is free too. Don't hang off of your roof and try to nail something like upside down. That doesn't work out too well. I tried that yesterday. I didn't fall, but boy, it was close. Um, anyway, that's just free advice. Don't do that. And don't go up on the roof when it's 90 degrees and you have shorts on. That doesn't work out too well either. You know, the most embarrassing part was I had to take my shirt off and put it down on the roof. I was like, Lord, please help nobody to drive by while I'm doing this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's good to see everybody today, and I hope you've come ready to uh, worship the Lord today. I've got a quick announcement about our um, giving challenge, our matching fund, our matching building fund. Just uh, try to clear up any confusion there might be. On your regular envelope, um, there are three different categories on there. There's a general fund, mission, and then special. And that means you can designate um, to building fund on there. And that's what people generally do. Um, and that's fine if you continue to do that. But the matching fund is a challenge that we've had a few families that are going to donate up to $50,000 to match anything given toward the building fund. So there are green envelopes out there in the foyer if you would like to contribute toward the matching fund. Does that make sense? Everybody raise your hand, that makes sense? So um, during this time too, just a, a, as a reminder, I think it's important to remember that um, there's also missions there and general fund, and um, so really the, the building fund and the matching fund are over and beyond what the Lord shows us to give in these other categories. And we just praise the Lord over the years. One of the things that I've been witness to is just how faithful the Lord is. Uh, he has been so good to bless uh, grace and so many, so many blessings. I and mean, we could, I could just recount years and years of blessings where um, the Lord is just taking care of us. <clears throat> and that's all about Him. But He uses you. And we certainly as, as elders of the church really are thankful so much uh, for all that you guys uh, do to contribute toward not only the financial needs of the body, but um, serving. There's so many. This year I was talking to Andrea. It was the first year in a while where she hadn't had to, um, you hate to use the word beg for help <clears throat> with Awana, but she hadn't had to do that. There's been a lot of people that have filled in those gaps, and we really, really appreciate, appreciate that. So this morning, um, our emphasis... Uh, is on prayer. Uh, I will just admit right up front <clears throat> that this is the area of my life as a Christian that needs the most work. I don't know how many of you would be willing to come up here behind me and say, yeah, that's mine too. But um, it is certainly an area in my life as a Christian where the Lord has had to um, continue to work over and over again you know, and there's a phrase that we use sometimes that um, probably ought to think about. Um, we'll be going through something and, and we'll say, well, I guess we can pray about it. Or all we can do is pray. Well, that's what we can do. It's not all we can do, it's what we can do. And I think that's important for us to remember. That's what we can do. And that's what the Lord did. And we're going to look at that this morning. The greatest example in the Bible is our master. And what, is his, what did his prayer life look like? 
We're going to take a look at that this morning. But I wanted you, for our purposes, to start. Take your Bibles and go to Colossians in the fourth chapter. Colossians chapter 4. A lot of different texts that we could have chosen today to discuss the pillar of prayer. Um, I chose Luke chapter 6 just because I wanted to kind of take a look at the life of Christ, um, which I think can be a real encouragement to us in thinking about how much time our master spent in prayer. And my goodness, <laughs> if he needed to commune with his father and fellowship with his father, how much more do we? So in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, I'd like you to stand as we read these verses, just a few verses together. But Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. And Paul writes this, devote yourselves to prayer. Now he could say that because man, his life was marked by prayer. If you go through then just look at the life of Paul and the prayers uh, that he had and the depth of his prayers. Um, if you go through and trace his letters, you'll see the depth there that Paul had. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned that I may make it clear. Imagine that, the apostle Paul is asking for clarity. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And one of the most impressive things to me about the life of the apostle Paul is his awareness of the fact that he needed the Lord all the time. And... As you look through, especially at the end of that letter, he acknowledges those men and women in his ministry that were working alongside of him that had that, right, that dedication, that commitment to prayer. And so this morning, um, hopefully this will be for us kind of a, a, a time to recommit ourselves to do that individually and then collectively as a body. So let's pray together this, this morning as we begin. Our Father, I just want to thank you so much for this morning, the time you've given us to be able to look through your life, Lord, and, and how you, uh, your life was marked by prayer and dependence. That's amazing when we think about it. You were fully man, fully God, and as a man, you needed to commune with your Father. Um, how special is that for us to think about that um, you lived on earth and Lord that you needed that time with your father and how much more do we need that every single day and I admit to you in front of my brothers and sisters that are in Christ here today um, I need help in this area and I need the spirit of God who is my helper to help me with that. And Lord, I pray that we would really have a renewed sense this morning of, of the, the need in our lives to uh, every day spend time with you alone in prayer. Um, how much time we spend doing things we enjoy. Nothing wrong with that. But Lord, we need time with you. And that can be enjoyment. It's fellowship. We need that with you, Lord. And I pray you would impress it upon our hearts today as we consider what your word says about 
your life and how you committed yourself. I pray it would move us and convince us that we need that in our own lives. And um, I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have today to worship you. Um, And uh, Lord, I pray that if there is one here that does not know you as Savior, that today could be the day of salvation. So we commit our time to you, commit the service to you. I pray that our hearts and our minds are prepared for this morning. In the name of Christ, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'll be seated. Uh, We want to start off the service this morning by singing a song of praise. And I want to allow you to to, uh, remain seated because this is one that you might not be familiar with. And so you're going to kind of listen to the choir and myself uh, sing this. And I'm hoping you're going to kind of catch on to it, okay? Because the next time we do it, you know, y'all are going to be standing up and you're going to be praising the Lord with this thing, okay? So uh, I want you to learn it uh, today. And as as you get more and more involved in it, please sing along with us. Uh, It's one that uh, I have really picked up on and really enjoyed listening to and uh, and singing. And uh, the choir has been practicing. And uh, so anyway, uh, just listen to to the words and then just start singing as you pick up on it. Because like I said, the next time we're going to be standing up and we're going to be praising the Lord with it. It's called May the Peoples Praise You. There's a, a, in the chorus it says, May the Peoples Praise You, Let the Nations Be Glad. And, And this is the reason why we're here, folks. We're not here so we can receive a blessing, okay? Anybody who says they're here to receive a blessing, that's, that's not our purpose. The purpose is that God would receive the blessing, right? And that's what this next, this next line says, all your blessing comes that we may praise. See, so we're here to bless the Lord, okay? And so we have to keep that in mind, okay? We just hope that when the, the Lord, when we leave here today, that the Lord has been truly blessed by our worship and by the sharing of our scripture and everything that we do in our service today. It's called, May the Peoples Praise You. Listen to it and catch on to it. I'll stand, please. You have called us out of darkest night into your glorious light that we may see the wonders of the risen Christ may our every breath retell the grace that broke into our stride with boundless love and deepest joy
Isn't that a good song? I like that song. Next time you're going to be singing it, you're going to be singing it good. But right now, let's all stand and let's shout it from the north. Shout it to the south. Shout it to the east. Shout it to the west what the Lord has done for us. Let's sing this together, maybe. Man, you start and the ladies will come behind you. Men of faith, rise up and see of the great and glorious King. You are strong when you feel weak in your tongues to sing our great Redeemer's praise. Let's sing that together. Oh, for a 
because that's what our life is. It's our home, our church, our song, what we proclaim. In my life, Lord, be glorified without the piano. Let's, let's just sing. life reflects the Lord Jesus and what he means to us in our life and in our church 
in our homes, and we follow him in everything we do, we have a peace in our life, a peace that passes all understanding, as the Bible says. And we can, as believers in the Lord Jesus, can at any time of our life, even maybe when we're on our deathbed, or maybe even when we're gathered around one that, is, that knows the Lord and is about to go home to be with him, we can have the peace of knowing who Christ really is, that he is the reason of our whole life. And that's the uh, this song that we're going to be singing, and afterwards the choir is going to go down, and Lynn is going to play. And I want you just to reflect on a little bit about your life. What kind of peace do you have today? Can you truly say in your life, it is well with my soul? Can you truly say that today? No matter what the circumstances are, can you say, it is well with my soul? I want you to listen to the words of the choir. Oh, 
Thank you, Ron and, and choir. We are very blessed here at Grace to have a wonderful choir. Um, not many in number compared to some churches, but um, I know the hard work that they put in, the diligence there, and certainly I appreciate that very much. Uh, appreciate Ron and all that he does in leading this time for us. I appreciate uh, the members of the choir that spend uh, their afternoons on Sunday meeting up here to practice and uh, to sing a song like that, It Is Well With My Soul. And to consider that penetrating question, is it well with your soul? So thank you, Ron and the choir. We appreciate all those who labor here and are with our music. Uh, we're thankful for our praise team as well. All of them have something in common. They point us to the Lord. And that's who we're here to worship. So thank you so much uh, for this morning. 1970, I entered first grade 1970. Where were you in 1970? I didn't ask for a response. <laughs> Some of you have been married for a while in 1970, hadn't you? I remember every morning our principal would come on the intercom and tell us good morning. And then we would say the pledge for which everyone would stand and put their hand over their heart. It wasn't even a question back then. And if you had a hat, I don't remember even hats being allowed at school, but if you had one, buddy, it was on your heart. Boy, those days were good. And then, do you know what happened after the pledge? Our principal would lead us in prayer. Wouldn't that be nice today if that would happen in school? And so I would commend you students that are in public schools that when they have that day, uh, prayer around the pole or whatever they call that, be there. It's an opportunity for you to stand out in a good way. If there's one thing that's been lost, certainly within our country, it's dependence upon the Lord. And I fear that it's entered into the hallways of the church. I'm not so certain that we are as dependent on the Lord as we should be. I'm not so certain that we spend as much time with the Lord in prayer as we should. In fact, when I'm studying through the Gospels and I look at the life of Christ, I'm taken back by the amount of time he spent in communion with his Father. And if you were to trace that through, you would go, wow, they were just at the right times. That's how we would think about it. The reality is, as the God-man, he needed fellowship with his father. And if the God-man needed fellowship with his father, how about you and how about me? It's amazing to think when you come to the context of Luke chapter 6, 
The Bible tells us that he spent the whole night in prayer. And I wanted to ask this question of you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever spent an entire night in prayer? (laughs) I asked a couple of people that this week. And one person said, yes, I have. I was like, wow, I can't say that. I can say that I've been woken up several times praying for my sons. You know how that is, parents, right? You are thinking about your children when you go to bed or your grandchildren, and the next thing you know, it's two in the morning and you can't sleep. And it's because something is going on in their life. And you know the only one you can go to is the Lord. We do need to eliminate the phrase, all I can do, and replace it with, this is what I can do. I can pray. And listen, families today need prayer. Amen? I'm a grandfather and have been for six years. And I love those little girls. Man, I love those little girls. I love to hear them say poppies. That just sounds so good. And they can have whatever they want. As long as it's not against the law. You know, I found myself doing that as as they get older. Man, I just have this pounding desire in my heart that they would know Christ. And I can't save them. I would if I could. But I pray for them. I want Abby and Maya and Janae to know the Lord. And families today, we need to pray for our children and our grandchildren. Maybe even some of you in this room have great grandchildren. Because generation after generation goes by and there's less and less emphasis on the Lord. A grace, one of the pillars that we want to emphasize to you is prayer. And that's what we want to discuss this morning. The pillar of prayer. And there are many different places that we could go, but I've chosen that we would look at Acts, I mean, at Luke chapter 6 this morning. I want us to just see this fascinating time in the life of our Lord. But the foundation for prayer is in the Scriptures. You see, all these pillars have something in common. They come from the Word. We don't make them up. The elders didn't get together and say, well, these are great ideas, The Lord has for his church what he desires, and what he desires is given to us in the word. And he desires that his church be dependent upon him who is the head. There is a quote here. I don't know who it belongs to. I love the quote. (laughs) Prayer, the world's greatest wireless connection. Can you imagine a time without this? Man, everybody is on it all the time. 
Do you know that you can even remind yourself of things? And it'll ring, it'll make funny noises, it's time to eat. Maybe we ought to have the alarm set, it's time to pray. Wouldn't that be good? E.M. Bounds writes this about the church. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better machinery, not new organizations or more novel methods. That's so true. But men, and when he says men, he means men, women, and children, men whom the Holy Spirit can use. Men, women, and young people mighty in prayer. The common thread that needs to run through all the ministries of grace is the word and prayer, the word and prayer, the word and prayer. And in Luke chapter 6, we're met with this scene in the life of our Lord that's quite amazing when you consider the context. When you consider what's going on in the life of our Lord as he is in Galilee, the pages open up to us and we're, we're, we just catch a glimpse of a time in the life of our Lord where he goes and he spends all night in prayer. I know as I was thinking through this, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've needed to spend all night in prayer. How about you? Sure there has been. Maybe you've done that, and that's wonderful. And I know I was challenged. I was talking to Amanda this week. And I said, Amanda, I think we really need to do this as a church. And this probably sounds nuts to you guys. But I'm going to mark out sometime this fall. It's going to happen. Well, we're going to be up here available to pray all night. It's good for us. <laughs> you know, the church is longing for revival. Some people are like, man, we need revival, we need revival. And my friends, I believe revival begins on our knees. Luke chapter 6, look at verse 12. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. So that's the scene. The Bible tells us it was at this time. At what time? What was going on? So when you look at it, the book ends, you go, okay, here in the middle we have this statement that the Lord Jesus spent all night in prayer. But what was going on on this side and what was going on on this side? Well, if you look at the previous text, you find what's going on. There's only one other event between chapter 6, verses 1 through 11 and chapter 6, verse 12. And in that particular context, there's discussion about Evil spirits. Well, so you have this spiritual battle going on. Before, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. This battle is raging. 
And there's the Pharisees. I need not say more than that. There's the Pharisees, and there's the Lord Jesus. And what were the Pharisees about when it came to Christ? Let's pin him down. Right? In fact, it got so bad in this particular text, they're discussing what they needed to do to Jesus. In other words, he's a problem. Wouldn't it be nice if if people in this community said, man, that church down the street's a problem. There's cars over there all the time. I heard they're having this all-night prayer meeting. These people are nuts. Yes. Look at what's going on. Spiritual warfare. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now it happened that he was passing through some grain fields on a Sabbath. And his disciples were picking the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands and eating the grain. But some of the Pharisees said, why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answering them said, have you not even read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for any to eat except the priest alone. He gave it to his companions. <laughs> Good question. Have you not read that? And he was saying to them, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And there was a man there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he healed on the Sabbath so that they might find reason to accuse him. These guys are in the weeds, and they're always looking at Jesus and what he's doing. Lying in wait. What is his next move? (laughs) By the way, we don't necessarily have Pharisees in the weeds watching what we're doing. But we do have people watching. And do you know the sad part about today? Part of the testimony of the church is what's seen in these liberal churches who are not holding this book up as the authority and who are not drawing lines in the sand when it comes to marriage and when it comes to abortion, but are accepting of it completely. And so when they run across a church like ours who says, we stand on the authority of Scripture and every life is important and God has a design for the family, they want to go, those people are crazy. They haven't caught up. Do you not know? Oh, we know. But we also know what God said. Not what God says, what he said, past tense. He's already said it. He's already spoken about the family. He's already spoken about abortion. He's already spoken. So we might not have Pharisees lying in the weeds. We got people. The Bible says... When he entered the synagogue and was teaching, there was a man there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he healed on the Sabbath so they might find reason to accuse him. But he knew what they were thinking. You know, every once in a while when you're reading through the Gospels, you know what's really cool? Is you see these um, characteristics of God. 
just jump off the page. And what do you see here? He's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows what's going on in their minds. And you know what's really cool? He knows what's going on in your mind right now. I wonder how long this kook is going to talk today. Right? No, you're not thinking that. He knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forward. And he got up, and he came forward, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But look at this next verse. But they themselves were filled with rage. Do you know what that word means in the Greek? Madness. They were out of control. The Bible says they were filled with madness and they discussed together what they might do to Jesus. And then verse 12, it was at this time he went off. You been in a spiritual battle before? Where, man, I don't know how you guys work and function, but I know how my mind, my mind is constantly racing. Does anybody have that? weirdness in them. Okay, so there are a few weird ones in here. My mind is constantly racing. This week, I can say, has been one of the greatest battles spiritually that I've had in a long time. And I think it's because of this particular subject. Because the last thing the enemy wants me to do is to depend on the Lord. But what's amazing here is we find the Lord Jesus at this time going off to pray. So before we have spiritual warfare, what about after? What's going on after he spends all night in prayer? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 13. And when day came, he called his disciples to him. So it's obvious there were more than just the ones he chose because it says he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also named his apostles. And if you go to Mark's account, he tells you what he wants them for. You know what he wants them for? Hang out with him. Preach. Teach. Heal. He wants them for all that. So you got beforehand, the spiritual warfare, after we have the choosing of the 12. Significant times? Yeah. Significant times. I hadn't until recently thought about this, but it's worth consideration. And maybe this afternoon you'll text me and say, Thad, this is what's going on. But do you know, one of the things that I was thinking through as I looked at the after, I thought about Judas. How long did Jesus pray, we don't know, over Judas? 
But he's the one that would betray him. And we know the Old Testament and the scriptures. We know that one would betray the Lord for 30 pieces of silver that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And we look at it and we go, I don't understand how God works all the time for sure, but wow. Big things are going on. It was at this time, Luke says. Big things. I was reading it about Robert E. Lee this last week. How many of you are familiar with Robert E. Lee? Glad you are, and students, I know you are because they teach you history at school, right? So this afternoon, I want you to write me just a one-page paper on Robert E. Lee. I don't even know if they teach that in the schools anymore. But Robert E. Lee, in one of the most moving speeches at a critical time, said this. Intercessory prayer is the mightiest weapon and supreme call for all Christians. Man, I was reading through this this way. I was, man, I was getting chills. I urge our people everywhere to pray. And think about how strong that is. And he's just talking about people. He's also specifically talking about Christians. But wow, we need everybody in the church to pray. He said, I urge our people everywhere to pray, believing that prayer is the greatest contribution that our people can make in this critical hour. (laughs) That's quite a statement. Right? You're thinking about the war going on. That's the most critical thing you can do? Yes, pray. You're saying, yes, Abba, we need to be involved in this program and that program and this program and that. We need to do this and this and this. No. Maybe all that needs to be done, but the first thing is what? Pray. <laughs> he says this. He said this. I humbly urge that we take time to pray. And then he said, to really pray. And I got to think, he's saying something there. It's not just this passing, hey, Lord, thanks for the food, see ya. But it's this concentrated effort, and it is work, by the way. It needs to be under the category of work. It's labor. I mean, that's what the Lord Jesus is doing here in this scene all night long. He goes on to say, let there be prayer at sunup. Reminded me of Daniel. At noonday, at sundown, at midnight. That's pretty good, isn't it? Let us pray for our children. He said, our youth, our aged, our leaders, and our homes. Let us pray for our churches. Let us pray for our nation. Let prayer be our passion Let prayer be our practice. Boy, wouldn't that be a nice speech from the White House today? We wonder why our country is in such a mess and why our schools are in a mess. Not to wonder. We said, God, we don't need you. 
That's what the country has said. My friends, listen to me. I know it's not intentional, but I believe this to be true. It's happening in the church. And at Grace Community Church, we are going to stand on top of prayer. And I want you to be involved. So when I have the all-night thing, show up. Wear shorts. I don't care. Wear a t-shirt. I don't care. Wear clothes. (laughs) I do care. So Luke says it was at this time. Well, lesson one. Knowing when to enter one's prayer closet is essential. By the way, might I say... I think as much as that can be led by the Spirit, that's a good thing. I know as I get older, I've I've changed some in the way I respond to people when they say, hey, Thad, would you pray about this? As much as possible, and if I've done something different with you, well, I apologize, but as much as possible, I say, when the Lord puts it on my mind, I'll pray for you. Because I used to just say, yeah, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you. And it's just mindless. And I'm like, well, no, sometimes I forget. And even when I tell you, when the Lord puts it on my mind, and you know what's really cool? When I started doing that, the Lord, his clock and my clock are different. And sometimes he's waking me up at three in the morning. And I'm, I literally have done this, Lord, why am I up at three in the morning? And somebody in this room He'll put on my mind. That ever happened to you? Awesome. Now, don't get me wrong, I enjoy sleep. We need to know when we need to enter that closet the Lord knew. <laughs> Look what was going on. All right, secondly, we see his intentionality. He's intentional. Notice. The Bible says here, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. Now, when you look at that phrase, you go, how significant is that phrase to the mountain? You know, I even asked myself that question. Why would Luke include that? Why didn't he just say he went off to pray? Was that true? Yeah. But the Bible says he went off to the mountain. Do you know there's a little thing in the Greek called an article? And there's an article right in front of mountain. And so the idea here is there is a specific mountain, a specific place that the Lord had that he would go. So I got to thinking, well, you know, that'd be good for us if we had a specific place that we went to to pray. He did. He had a specific place that he went to. But I want you to notice, too, that As he goes off to the mountain to pray, he goes away from the people. He's away from the people (laughs) in this particular case. Away from the distractions. My friends, listen to me. That's intentionality. That's being intentional. And in this day and age, listen to me. If you're trying to withdraw and pray, don't take this thing with you. You know what would be really cool? I just thought of this. Sometimes I get scared when I just think of something. Would it be neat if we just said, as a church, this Wednesday, no phones. We're going to pray. You say, that I can't function without this thing. 
He went away from the people, and the Bible says he went to his father to commune and to fellowship. That's intentionality. That was his habit. You say, yeah, Thad, but man, there's a lot of noise in my life. There's just so many things going on in my life, and there is absolutely no way I have time to be able to do that. I mean, I like what you're saying, because I know prayer is important, but you don't know what my life's like. Well, you know, there's an article that I found this lady wrote. It's called Withdrawing to Pray. And when I started reading it, I'm like, hey, the congregation, they'll be able to identify with this. Because the pastor only works one day a week. I mean, these guys are working all the time. But she wrote this. And obviously, she's a mother. I live in a world filled with noise. Mm. That is one thing. I love having my grandkids there. But boy, it's nice shipping them back home. She says, from the time I get up until the time I lay my head on the pillow each night, there is almost always something competing for my attention. Right? This article is like, whew. I think all of us wrote it. There are schedules to keep. People to feed. I like to eat. Phone calls to answer. Work deadlines to meet. Laundry to fold. I read that, I was like, man, my mom, she taught me to fold towels when I was a little boy. My wife might be surprised by that. (laughs) Laundry to fold, homework to monitor, projects to complete, service commitments to fulfill, extracurricular activities to attend. This sounds like a mom, right? And the list goes on and on. No kidding, she writes in the time it took me to type that sentence, I just received four new text messages. And if I do happen to have a few extra minutes to myself, I either wonder what I'm forgetting, I habitually fill the empty spaces with even more noise, or I'm fast asleep in three minutes flat. And then she writes, please someone tell me you can relate. Yes. She writes, I know what you're thinking. Of course, noise is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, much of the fullness in our lives comes from the incredible blessings of people, opportunities, and callings that are straight from God himself, but without proper balance, she writes. Life's demands and this noise habit that we often fall into can rob us of spending intentional time with God that is so vital to real living. Man, I like that. You say, that how'd you get a hold of that article? The Lord, I don't know, I'm researching. And there it is. And she even had the word intentional in there. Because we have to be intentional in order to be able to spend time with the Lord, just like the Lord Jesus himself was. In fact, this habit is encouraged in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says, pray without ceasing. And what he's saying there is make it a habit. It's to be a habit in your life. I found, I was telling some of the guys this morning, they were all agreeing, they were saying at first, some of the best times I have in praying is when I'm driving. You know what's next, right? Don't close your eyes, but you're driving. It's okay. 
It may be that some of the quietest times, right? I read something this week. The guy wrote, he's like, hey, maybe if you're looking for that time, instead of listening to that radio, turn it off. Why, that's a pretty good suggestion. Pretty practical. Yeah, but I want to listen to Paul Feinbaum. I can't get enough of him. <laughs> Not really, that was a joke. Well, there's other times, you know, and I gave them to you on that handout, other examples where you find the Lord retreating. Pretty critical times. Right before pre Peter's profession or confession that Jesus Christ is the Lord, right before the transfiguration, before the teaching the disciples to pray, before the crucifixion. And you remember in the story before the crucifixion at Gethsemane, what's he wanting his three to do? Stay what? Awake. How'd they do? They didn't do. But you know, I got to thinking about that. That was intentional upon, upon our Lord. He brought those guys there and said, hey, watch and pray. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. And they didn't do so well. And I'm like, man, Lord, I can relate to that. Because there's a lot of times in my life I'm not doing so well. But you know, I had a thought this week that before we walked out of the service today, we would say to the Lord, Lord, I need your helper, the Spirit of God, to remind me every day to spend time with you alone. And you know what the advantage is, guys? It's a great advantage. In fact, that's how the helper is described in John. He's an advantage. The Holy Spirit of God lives in each one of you who are believers today. And the great advantage is, is that he can convict us and move us to that. Second lesson here is going to the prayer closet is essential for one's spiritual growth. And I told you early on I need help with that. Well, the third thing we see in this text is commitment. Commitment. It says, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. And then the next phrase, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. So I wrote down some things. First of all, about his time, the Lord selected the silent hours. <laughs> While everybody else is snoozing. That means this. You know what? That means we might have to get up at 5 o'clock instead of 5.30. We might have to go to bed at 11.30, right, instead of midnight, or 10 instead of 10.30. So he picked the silent hours. And then you find this incredible devotion. It, the Bible says he spent all night in prayer. What an incredible commitment that he made. The whole night he spent in prayer with his father. And then fellowship. Jesus spent the night with his father. He doing what? <laughs> That's a good question, right? What's he doing? He's praying. He's fellowshipping with his father. That's what he's doing. And if there's one thing that we need an improvement in in the church is fellowship with our father, with our heavenly father through the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to give you guys just 
something, lesson three. Grace, and when I say grace, I mean the church. Grace must be committed to the pillar of prayer. And I listed it in, in kind of an order. First of all, we have to be individually committed to pray. And then as a family be committed to pray. In other words, our families are committed to pray. Myself and Teresa. We don't have anybody at home right now. But whoever that involves is families. And then the staff commits to pray. Here at Grace, we meet once a month. And when we meet, one of the first things we do after we listen to a joke by George or a story by George is we pray. We pray for you. We pray for the ministries of the church. And then the leadership must be committed to prayer. Listen, if we're going to put it on the screen and we say, hey, it's important, you know, that starts with the leadership. And I can tell you this, the first and third Thursdays of the months, when the elders and deacons meet on the first and third Thursdays, you know what part of our time is spent doing? The first part of our time is spent doing after we're in the Word is praying. And we're praying for you. And when the elders meet the third Thursday night of the month, we're doing the same thing. We're praying. In fact, that is some of the most, if I ask the elders to stand up and say, what's some of the most enjoyable times you've had as an elder, as a deacon, they would stand up and say, it's the prayer time. It's praying with my brothers in Christ. And then we need to pray as well in our ministries. That needs to be one of the central themes is prayer. Praying, depending on the Lord. There's one last story I wanted to share with you this morning. It's concerning a man named John Knox, who was the founder of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland. And this is what is written about him at the end of his life. He says, while very ill... It says, while very ill, John Knox, the founder of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland, called to his wife and said, read me that scripture where I first cast my anchor. And after he listened to the beautiful prayer of Jesus recorded in John 17, he seemed to forget his weakness. He began to pray, interceding earnestly for his fellow men. He prayed for the ungodly who had thus far rejected the gospel. He pleaded in behalf of people who had been recently converted and he requested protection for the Lord's servants, many of whom were facing persecution. This is the man of whom Queen Mary said, I fear his prayers more than I do the armies of my enemies. That's quite a statement. I fear his prayers more than the armies of my enemies. Lord, help us to be a church that's committed to prayer. You know, on Wednesday nights, we have a WANA ministry here. And if you're involved in that, that's great and wonderful. And we want you to be. But if you're like Wednesday nights, you're like sitting at home and watching TV or just relaxing, you know, that's fine too. But if you want to come 
on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock and pray we're doing that too. Because that's very important to the life of this church, of this body. I want to close this morning with an opportunity for you right where you are and for me right where I'm standing to recommit this aspect of our life to the Lord. But before we do that, I want three people to stand up, tell me just in one word, I adore the Lord because he is, who's first? Who's telling? He's gracious. Full of grace. Who else? Because he's merciful. He beats you. Mercy. Yeah, he's a God of mercy. Someone else. We praise him because of what? Compassionate. He's faithful. We could go on all day. The Lord is. You know, there's the acts of prayer, the adoration, the confession part. That's between you and the Lord. And that needs to happen. You know, and John's clear about that. If we confess, and that word means to agree, if we agree with the Lord, right? If we confess our sins, He is what? He's faithful and He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is important. Read Psalm 51. You see how important the context of David's life confession is. And then Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for what about the Lord? His sovereignty. What else? You're thankful for his goodness. Provision. Available. That's a good one. Man, we want people, what, answering this right away. But sometimes people are sleeping. And sometimes people are away from their phones. But he never sleeps and he never slumbers. That's a good deal. And then the last part of that acts is Supplication. And guys, listen to me. This is important. Everybody in here needs to hear this. All of us need his help. Me first. And all of us, we need his help. And in an age and in a time when we're going, well, how much do we really need him? I've got everything I want. I've got money in the bank. I've got a house. I've got cars. I've got everything. You see the battle? The battle is to say, hey, I really do need you, Lord. And we do. May God give us the wisdom each day to say, Lord, I need you. Let's pray together. Well, Lord, there's a lot to consider with this one. Lord, I certainly don't want us to walk out today feeling defeated by this because that could easily happen. We could just put our hands up and say, I just can't do this. And, and that's true. We can't do it. But your spirit can do it through us. He can remind us of the importance of being in your word and being on our knees and being dependent. Lord, can I just say thank you for the example here, this example 
that we're given from your word of you withdrawing and going off by yourself, Lord, and communing with the Father. And how much more do all of us in this room need that? Lord, we are in a world that's filled with noise, just like this lady wrote in the article. The time demands are so powerful in many of our lives, and yet maybe, Lord, we're, we should think about getting up 30 minutes earlier, going to bed 30 minutes later. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would work in us individually first, and then collectively as a body that we would have the spirit of Robert E. Lee, the man knew in a crisis time in our history, he knew the greatest weapon was not the gun or the cannon, but the greatest weapon was prayer. Help us to know that. Help us to believe it. Help us to move toward that more faithfully in our lives. I thank you for everyone who is here this morning. And I pray if there's one here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today could be the day of salvation. God, help us. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Take it to the Lord in prayer. 
find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share Jesus knows our every to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and Told Jordan I had one thing to say and then he can come up. Um, as we were singing that, I was thinking, you know, there's a group of folks in here, all of us need prayer, but I was thinking about the ones that are in our body but that are um, at college. We really need to lift those kids up to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask Jordan to do that as he closes. All right, Jordan. Before we close, I just want to recognize some of our newest members at Grace Community Church. And if you'll just stand really quick, I don't want to embarrass you guys, but we just want to recognize you and, and just thank you that you're a part of our church body. If I could have Harlan and Charlotte Bicking to stand up. And then uh, Seth, Jessica, Daniel, Grace, and Mercy Gilbert. <clears throat> thank you. you. may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we come before you, we do want to remember the students that are off at college, and it can be a very hard, trying time. The pressures of this world, um, the new temptations, Lord, I pray that you will just protect them, Lord. Give them an extra special protection, God, in their hearts and their souls and their mind. We thank you for them. And we want to remind them that we are here for them, interceding for them on their behalf and lifting them up in prayer. And Father, we love them and we thank you so much for them. God, we do thank you that you are our refuge and that you are still our refuge, as the song was saying. And you will always be our refuge, no matter what we're going through. When our thoughts, when our emotions... Um, Trick us, Lord, you are the steady anchor in our life, and we thank you so much. Thank you that we can come to prayer always, and we love you and glorify you. 
And everything that we say and do this week, we want to bring glory and honor to you. In your name, amen. You are dismissed.